0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared
1: success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March 21st, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I am Justin Klein. And I look forward to this hour with you hearing your finance and investment questions and giving you my careful, straightforward and unbiased answers. Now I'm here to help guide you to take that next step in your path to financial freedom and in order to reach your ultimate goals, which for all of you, it's going to be different because you're starting from a different place. You're ending in a different place. But the principles generally remain the same. And so it's about understanding those principles, embodying those principles and executing on those principles each and every day. when it comes to investing I know we talk about inv- a lot about investing, but it's about protecting your assets, It's about saving appropriately and spending appropriately. And all of these factors play into you getting to where you want to be financially. And we know that there's a lot of headlines, a lot of emotions that everyone has when it comes to their money. And I always try to give you the bigger picture, give you the risks and the rewards so that you can better make money decisions, filter out the emotions, focus on the facts, ignore the narrative and pay attention to what really matters. Because oftentimes, the narrative that you're reading on in, in the media, oftentimes is for clicks or for viewership. And not nearly as important as you would imagine. One thing right now that I think is a, a good indication of this is the yield curve. You probably hear about this a lot The yield curve flattened when the Fed had uh, the, the, the rate announcement and that it, that pretends a recession. Um, and it's it gets a lot of clicks, it gets a lot of attention. But at the end of the day, it's one factor and you need to understand that factor. Why exactly it typically leads to recession. Now, the first thing is it's not inverted yet in lots of the part of the curve, which means that it's actually not indicating a recession. It's just indicating slower economic growth, which is expected as the fed is tightening. And then you have to understand why it typically creates a recession. It's because it's no longer profitable to lend. Well, first off, that takes six, nine, 12, sometimes up to 18 months to really manifest into recession. Yield curve inverted, I think, early 2006. And then we had the financial crisis 2008. On top of that, You have the reason that they it's unprofitable Then is because the cost of short term cash short term capital is higher than the interest from longer term loans that banks are making. And what happens there is they stop lending. But in today's world, banks are flush with cash, they don't need to raise the rates on their savings accounts. So in actuality, I don't think the yield curve is as impactful today as it typically is, plus you have inflation, low unemployment, that's hard to see a deflationary bust recession in the near term. So I wanted to bring that up because I, I, I see a lot of people freaking out. And I always try to step back and say, "Look at the bigger picture," and that's what I'm going to try to do this hour: is to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. Bring you along in how we do things, how we have success for ourselves and our clients, and impart that wisdom on you. So, whether well, I'm talking about the market as a whole a particular stock, particular sector, I'm here to present it all without bias using my 20 plus years of investment experience and giving you the facts as I see them in front of me. Lots of data, lots of information. So I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions right now during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time, or you can leave your question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now.
0: Hey, Justin, Steve, this is Mike calling from Florida, a huge fan of the show. I was looking at Ryerson holding Corp. stock symbol, R Y I. And, uh, they've put up profits year after year, maybe a slight drawback in profits this year compared to last they're buying back stock. The stock continues to dip though. Um, and now it's in the twenty so I'm not sure what it is when you're answering this question, but I'm looking at adding a small position of this to add to my materials section of my portfolio, which is very, very small at this point in time. I was wondering if this looks like a good buy, probably plan to buy this and hold it for long-term. Thanks, and I look forward to hearing the answer. Have a great day.
1: All right, this is Ryerson Holding Company. Interesting, they process and distribute industrial metals in the US, Canada, Mexico, and China. Earnings have been on the rise. oh 2020, they lost $0.08, cents, but that was kind of an anomaly because of uh, COVID. But 2021 made $7.46, $7.28 expected in this year, and then down 37% to $4.60 in 2023, which is still well above the pre-COVID uh, earnings level of $1.79. So clearly this environment is benefiting them. It has taken off just as uh, recently, and I'm gonna give this one overall a thumbs up. I like the, the sector. They just started paying a dividend. I don't see the share buybacks though. That has been pretty much flat since 2018. So I don't, I don't really see that. Um, yeah, so I like Ryerson. I'm hoping we're talking about the same company, RYI as the symbol. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna give this one a thumbs up. Probably wanna go f- wait for a little pullback but it's definitely strong, and the earnings are probably going to stay pretty robust. Now, Steve and I are grateful for your podcast support, and our free downloads will always continue. But I want to make you aware of two other ways you can find our material, unbiased guidance. Invest Talk has a YouTube channel as well as an Instagram following as well. So head over there and search for Invest Talk. Remember, use two T's. Now, the Invest Talk phone lines are open, so give me a call now at 99 chart.
2: Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now. 88899
1: chart. 99 chart, 88992 4278. Let's uh touch on my focus point today. It was going to be based on the story a real estate fraud epidemic is continuing. And I do want to highlight this. I know we talk a lot about investing, and this is actually a recommendation from a listener, a fellow listener. And Basically saying, hey, we should focus on fraud within the real estate sector, uh, wire fraud, etc. Because people get duped. And I have a great story uh, that I'll get to in a little bit. But uh, we're going to look at that. Also, shale companies are upping their drilling. In fact, the number of drilling rigs in, the oil, in oil fields will be up about 20% over the past uh, year but don't expect the same increase in production. And we're going to talk about why that is. Also green companies, green companies have really been raising a lot of cash. And that's a big difference from the last time green energy was all the rage in uh, around 2009 10 timeframe. And we're going to look at the differences there and what to expect from that space. And then, lastly, what will Western companies pulling back from Russia? Uh, will that uh, what will that look like, and how will that impact earnings? So we're going to look at those topics. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. Eight 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 ninety nine chart is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's take a look at the market. You have the S and P down two points. So definitely a pause day after the strong rally a uh, post-fed meeting wednesday thursday friday of last week uh, the nyc that was down six points you had really the main weakness was in the nasdaq that was down 55 points about half a percent so nothing too dramatic but what you see was a, another surge in the 10-year the 10-year up to 2.315 at the close today and as we know Been saying this for a while higher interest rates, higher inflation, bad for growth stocks. So small cap growth down about 1.3% for the day, large cap growth uh, down about 1.1% for the day, large cap value up 0.4%, mid cap value up uh, 0.36%. This is coming from uh, Morningstar. So this is the the continuation of this trend. And I've been saying this for a while you're going to get counter trend rallies. But in general, this is going to be a decade where it's real assets over intangible assets, especially with higher interest rates. And that's what you're seeing right now. So that's what happened in the market today. But ultimately, I want to hear what's on your mind. So give me a call. So let's grab another Invest Talk caller question from 88899chart.
2: Hey, Steve or Justin, I was wondering if you guys could take a look at EPAM systems, EPAM. They dropped forty percent today, and I had a couple shares at three fifty, and I was just wondering if they still have a good business outlook because of Ukraine and Russia. But if you could just give me your thoughts, that would be great. Thanks.
1: All right, EPAM Systems, interesting one here. Definitely in a downtrend. Definitely a growth stock that has come under pressure. Revenue growth still at fifty three percent last quarter, fifty two percent on the earnings side. So strong growth, although earnings expectations for this year and next year are coming down. And they earned $9.05 last year. So let's make $9.33 this year. So you're seeing that huge uh, growth slowing. They made $5.42 in 2019. So just a couple years, they nearly doubled their earnings per share. Now next year, expectations are $13.08. I don't know if I believe that. It is trading right now right around 30 30 ish times forward earnings if you if you kind of uh, filter out next year's expectations no dividend yield no debt that's a good thing but you know it's in a downtrend and they provide outsource IT and lifecycle software development services uh, prototyping testing design very interesting company but I don't think it's cheap enough. It's still trading, let's take a look here. Enterprise value to EBIT about 22 times. Yeah, uh, I just don't, I don't love the technicals. It's bounced. Um, I, I definitely would say it's a, a much better value than it was 60% higher, it's 52 week high, so it is 61% and that's after this recent bounce. So you know, you really have to have a long-term view of this name and you're you're going to experience a lot of volatility. It's a growth name that is revaluing lower, and where you know does the growth turn negative is the big question. And if that's the case, it's going lower. I think if it can kind of at least level out here uh, and maintain reasonable growth, I think it's cheap. But that's a big if. Um, and so it's a high risk name that's probably modestly overvalued currently. Now we're heading into a break. I want to hear your calls, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
2: No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go talk to Jordan. He's just south of me here in Dana Point, looking at Posco Holdings, PKX. It's a South Korean steel producer. You own it or looking to buy it?
2: Uh, I own it been falling quite a bit.
1: And I'm wondering if I should hold or just take the uh, little bit of loss so I can sell it. Okay. Well, it is firming up. Technically, I will say that just today closed above the 100 day moving average, which is major resistance. And if it can confirm tomorrow, I would say this might be a turn in the stock. Uh, it, it is very cheap. It's still growing. Uh, it is its demand for products. I think are going to continue to go up because we need more ships. That you know, ships are made with steel. Automobiles. Um, the, the biggest drag would be the Chinese building market. But I just see a lot of demand elsewhere that's been constrained with uh, COVID. And you have better regulatory environments uh, now that uh, Europe and, and the U.S. are banning. Basically, uh, steel that's made with too much uh, coal and emitting too 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 many, too many uh, emissions, and PKX, uh, you know, they're they tend to be on the front lines of uh, being. They're the largest producer of steel in South Korea, one of the largest in the world, and so uh, they have better cleaner technology. And so, I would hold it. I would be fine with PKX. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this story a real estate fraud epidemic is continuing. And this is always an interesting one. Because there are a lot of ways to be scammed. Um, And when it comes to the number one place, most people get scammed are in relation to things that are emotional. And where you live is emotional. Everyone wants to live in a comfortable place place that they really like and, the, and the, you know, the location that they like. And so when they see something that maybe seems too good to be true, uh, when it's, you know, looks like an amazing offer, they're more apt to skirt on those fail safes to make sure that they aren't being scammed. And in the real estate space, you see this a lot in rental listings even homes for sale online that look like they are legit and they may be legitly for sale, but you're dealing with the wrong person. You're dealing with somebody over the internet who's portraying that they might own the property that they're putting for rent or for sale. And oftentimes they'll have great pictures and it looks very professional but they will price it in the realm of reality, but just low enough, right? If it's rents for 1200, they'll list it for 1000 or 900. And it looks like a bargain. And a lot of the way that people get scammed is paying through gift cards, It needs to be untrackable. And so that's one of the biggest red flags, never pay anybody with gift cards doesn't make sense. You want to have a receipt, you want a trackable deal directly with a bank. And wire fraud in the real estate and rental sector continues to be one of the most prevalent cyber crimes in the US according to the FBI. There's been a 17% increase in these type of frauds from last year, over $200 million. According to FTC, gift cards have been the most frequently reported payment method for frauds since 2018. Oftentimes, you get Full contracts, it looks very professional, and it's all just a ruse. So make sure you don't prepay uh, through the internet. Make sure you meet whoever you're sending money to. Make sure a bank transfer is going through your bank. And even then, you need to be careful. And this is a good learning lesson. So this was our last uh, office. It was the landlord, and he's actually a client of ours now. Uh, but he also invests in real estate. and he was buying a, a, a property. And he was dealing with a real estate agent and they were in the process of the, the bidding and you know they were in escrow. And he got a text from his real estate agent with wire instructions. So he went to the bank and he sent the wire. Well, what happened was he, next day he calls and said, Hey, I, you know, I sent the wire and the agent said, what wire? And he goes, what do you mean? What wire? The wire instructions you sent me. I never sent you wire instructions. What happened was the scammers were able to hijack the phone number of his real estate agent and send him a text with the wrong wire instructions. In fact, there was they weren't ready to wire the money yet. He only got lucky because when they went to wire it, one number was off, and so the wire didn't go through. But if you got that right, that wire would have gone through and that money would have been completely lost. I think tens of thousands of dollars. So be careful when you're sending especially large amounts of money to who you're sending it to. Now, the next talk story behind this headline, investing during a bear versus bull market. We'll talk about that. Steve will talk about that tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com, that's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com. For investors, the goal
2: of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning and determination. Congratulations, you found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed invest talk steve and justin welcome your questions anytime on the invest talk listener line eight 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 ninety
1: nine chart hi steve and justin thanks for all you do quick question would love your opinion on a 529 plan versus opening up individual brokerage accounts for my children's college future or just future in general i did originally start with brokerage accounts for them And have been growing those over the years, but recently looking back into 529 plans for the tax benefit, but I'm still a little weary of the limitations withdrawals on those just in case what the future holds and then also a little weary of the options within the South Carolina 529 plan specifically so we just. Love your opinion if I should keep moving forward with the individual brokerage and allowing me to be more flexible, or if I should move forward with those 529 plans. Look forward to hearing on the podcast. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Well, not familiar with that particular state's 529 plan uh, options. Every state is a little bit different in their plan options. And, and you're right. There are some limitations there that are uh, not ideal. Now the good thing is, with the 2017, I believe, tax overhaul, there were some big changes to the 529 plans. Ability to pass along the the money to a another sibling, where you can you can uh, you, you can earmark it for uh, a niece or a nephew, a cousin, you know, somebody else within your family, um, not just have it tied to that one child forever. And they can also use it on non university education. So vocational schools, other types of education post, uh, post high school. And so I think uh, there are a lot of great benefits to that. And so it made 529 plans a lot more, a lot more enticing after that switch. So I would keep going with it. I understand the limitations. But the amount of money you can put away, uh, you, you can you can figure it out with the investment options. It's not like the investment options are uh, usually bad. It's just that they're limited, and you have to work within those those limited options. Uh, but you can still be successful. You can still uh, put an asset allocation that will do well enough. Um, and yeah, that's basically basically it. So I would stick with the five twenty nine plan. Thanks for the call. Now, let's touch on shale drillers, and what's interesting here is that shale oil companies are raising their number of dr- uh, drilling rigs by about 20% year over year, but you're not going to see a similar size increase in production. In fact, it's only going to be uh, expected to be about 6 to 9% this year, year over year, of total production of oil here in the U.S., and... The reason for that is because a lot of this has to do with new activity uh, is just making up for wells that were depleted uh, before the pandemic. And remember, during, when when oil prices went negative, oil drillers stopped new investment. They just kind of invested what they need to do, needed to to keep existing wells going uh, to make sure that wells weren't damaged longer term. And what they're doing now is really just just trying to uh, make up for the lack of wells that are drilled but not pumping. You know, Think of it kind of like um, a straw in the ground that's capped. What happened uh, with a lot of the, the oil companies is they stopped drilling for drilling the 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 uh, the straw, right? New ones of those. All they were doing were uncapping the existing straws in the ground and sucking up the oil to keep those overall costs down because oil prices were down. So they weren't putting extra money into putting new straws into the ground. Well, that's the issue now is it's a lot harder to bring up production because there aren't those existing straws in the ground to go uh, just uncap and start pumping. On top of that, you see a lot of bottlenecks that are limiting the ability to increase production like supply chains, right? Getting actual workers, getting actual parts that are needed to complete the drilling of the well. And... the The companies are hesitant to chase the costs, right? The costs overall are going up for drilling these wells because of all those factors. And how much do they really want to pay up for that? Now, at $100, $120 a barrel, I think that's definitely profitable. And there are a lot of smaller companies that are are going after it, but they don't have the type of capital that a lot of the large public companies have. And so the lack of ready to go wells is really the the main issue here. And yes, fracking wells do are faster than your traditional wells to be to be drilled. But if you look at companies like Diamondback Energy, they're adding seven drilling rigs to its five, it had working during the pandemic, and forty percent of its three hundred million dollars increase in companies planned spending for the year is simply to compensate for depleted inventory to fill to, to backfill what has depleted over the past year or two, and the other half will cover oil field, field cost inflation, so paying workers more. Paying for uh, more expensive parts. And overall, they expect to produce about the same as they did last year in total volume. And so, the broadly, U.S. oil production is expected to only grow, like I said, 6 to 9%, which is basically filling the gap of what we blocked off with Russia. The Russia, uh, um, you know, banning Russia imports. Not only that, but a lot of the shale companies have exhausted the best wells, the cheapest wells to and easiest wells to drill over the past year and a half. Because remember, they're trying; they were trying to keep costs down. Because it wasn't prices were too low. Why chase a bunch of capital or spend a bunch of capital to produce in a time when your profit margins are sometimes negative? So the backlog of those ready already drilled wells is now down to 4400. That's a down that's down in half from June of 2020. And a lot of those just aren't very very good. They, you know, you drill them and didn't really get great production when they were operating. So that's the that's that's one of the big issues here with the oil market why you're likely to see continued higher prices is simply it's not easy to bring on new capacity because of supply constraints as well as regulation. Now let's pivot to an iTunes review question. Oil Earl, interesting, says, which would you prefer more, ENB or CNQ? ENB or CNQ, I currently hold CNQ for the natural liquids exposure and growth. ENB has a nice dividend, I'm looking to add or switch into ENB from CNQ. Uh, If I'm picking one, it's definitely CNQ i we had a call last week on enbridge and i think this is a good example of people chasing the yield saying oh it paid six percent well remember ENB, yes it does have some oil and gas operations and pipelines in canada and there's some exposure there but their main business is that they are, are utility and while that's a fine business there's not a lot of growth there it's trading at uh, 21 times earnings and it's it's fine But if I'm owning one or the other, I'm definitely owning uh, owning CNQ because that's Canadian Natural Resources. That's a pure play oil and gas exploration company. And they're definitely going to benefit from the cost of oil prices and natural gas prices around the world. And so this is clear. Unless you're trying to get safer, you're trying to reduce your exposure to oil and gas, then that might be. argument but i'm not taking money away from cnq to invest in enb because i would be that would be reducing your overall exposure to oil and gas prices and i want to be gaining exposure and i know cnq only pays a 3.8 percent dividend not as good as that six percent on enb but once again i rather own the upside so it depends on your goal you want safer Less exposure to oil, that's ENB. If you want higher risk, higher return, more exposure to oil, that's CNQ. Let's go to Mike here in Orange County looking at V E G I. Mike, you there? I'm not hearing Mike. Okay. Well, I'll answer VEGI since I, uh, it sounds like that's what he was. Here's MSCI Global Agricultural Products ETF. And it is in and up. Oh, Mike, you there? Uh, yes. Uh, you've been... There he is. There he is. You're looking at VEGI? Uh, correct. Okay. You own it or looking to buy it?
0: I'm looking to buy it. It's had a really nice run. It's an ETF, it looks like it's kind of focused in the agricultural world. And I wanted to
1: see if, what you saw. if there's anything left in it. Yeah, so it's top holding. 20% is deer. Uh, I, I don't love that, that it's uh, so heavyweight on deer. Uh, but nutrient, that's 9%. Archardano's Midland, 7%. Mosaic, uh, that's about 4%. CF Industries, 3%. So, yeah, you're getting broad exposure to, to, to the ag space. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to pick a particular name. And so I'm going to give this a thumbs up. Now, it's definitely a bit overbought. um, But, you know, with the war in Ukraine, you have wheat prices that are likely to go up, the cost of fertilizer going up. Um, I think that's the next. Do you think inflation was bad in the energy space? Six to nine months from now, it's going to be much higher in the agriculture space. So um, I like this name. Uh, and it's a good broad-based exposure. That's V-E-G-I. Thanks for the call, Mike. Let's go to Jack in Wisconsin, looking at ING.
2: Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. Curious of, uh, of buying it. It's taken uh, a relative uh, decent hit since uh, the war in Eastern Europe has started. Um, could this be taking advantage of, uh, of a discount stock? Or would you say keep, uh, keep away from it until things uh, settle down over there?
1: All right, this is ING, as a symbol, ING Group, and this is out of the Netherlands, and it's uh, basically a European bank, yields 5.7%, but it's been hit because of the Russian sanctions. And that's that's my worry here, is how much contagion is there going to be within Europe uh, when it comes to these sanctions and, and how much exposure do they have to, to Russia? I don't know that I'd really have to dig into it. Now the technicals you've gotten a little bit of a bounce recently, but frankly, it hasn't been that strong. And that worries me a bit. So I'm not going to try to pick up pennies in front of a steamroller. I don't, I don't really understand the, the Russian exposure, unless you had a really good understanding of that and uh, deep dive of their books. And you know that that Russian exposure is very limited, then maybe I would, I would consider it, but not something I'm going to get excited about because I just really don't think uh, it's worth that risk. I think there's so many better opportunities in the marketplace today. I, I wouldn't go with this. Thanks for the call, Jack. Eight eight nine nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Uh, so let's pivot over to my next focus point today. And that is green energy companies, uh, about 1200 privately held green startups raised about $45 billion last year. Get that $45 billion. That's how frothy, especially early on in the year that the the green energy uh, space, that's how hot it was. And that was double the previous year's total. So in the private market, raised 45 billion, that's so crazy. And public companies in the US raise another 45 billion. So that's $90 billion raised to fund green energy type of companies from battery producers to electric vehicle companies to uh, other types of renewable energy uh, t- type of, type of uh, businesses. And this is a big difference than the last kind of boom phase that you saw in 2000, you know, late uh, 2000s. And that led to, remember Solyndra going bankrupt, as well as A123? They didn't have the funding. The funding dried up. And it, what's, what's interesting right now about this, this space is that there's so much capital still there. Now, the big question, though, is now that the stocks have you know, cratered, Remember Rivian was $14 billion in the biggest U S IPO since 2014. That had a high of $176 about five days after its IPO. And now it's at $43 in a consistent downtrend. And now the pivot is once the stock price isn't going up, it's about execution. There's more pressure. Hey, you promised us that you could execute on these amazing products, green products, and you can make them profitable. Well, guess what, the vast majority of them will not be profitable. And they're going to get you to raise equity once they burn through the cash. And shareholders are going to get ground into the ground. Okay. So that's where we are with the green energy space and still a place to probably avoid. we to our, our final break, so give me a call at 888 chart
2: From sunrise to sunset.
1: I have a question about gold and silver.
2: From dusk. Till dawn. So I'm wondering what y'all think. The questions keep coming. I have a question about symbol S-T-L-D. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Hello, uh, Steve Justin uh, Milani here from Bay
0: Area. This
2: is Curtis from Alabama. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. Invest Talk listeners have one objective, financial freedom. Your opinion on Costco. How they get there and when they get there is up to them.
1: I have started investing.
2: But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance.
0: I really enjoy the podcast. I think I'm finally starting to understand the the language and what to look for.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com.
1: I'm Serena Williams. You watch me live on TV. And I'm the girl from that alien movie you watch on demand. Our worlds have been brought together thanks to Direct TV Stream. Why are you whispering? Because the alien will hear us. Maybe let the alien know you can get Direct TV Stream with no annual contract. He
0: seems pretty excited by that, actually.
1: Introducing Direct TV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand with no annual contract. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. The content varies by package in the-
2: presents a tale of longing and long-lasting scent dear love of my life we were on the 12b bus when I caught a whiff <sighs> a scent so fresh so life-changing I had to find its source I didn't know if you were the woman in the pink freshly washed cardigan or the retired mailman next to me but I knew one of you was my soulmate. Ah, the scent of Gain flings. Add Gain Scent Beads for an even longer-lasting scent.
0: The Peloton Tread is more than just a treadmill. It's an 80s pop run. Signal! a 20-minute hike workout. squeezing those glutes at the end of each step, even a straight class. We got 30 seconds left in the set. With this many new tread classes, you always have a reason to work out. For a limited time, get a $450 value on the Peloton Tread. Includes $150 off tread packages plus free delivery and setup, a $300 value. Learn more at onepeloton.com. All access membership separate. Limited time offer until January 9, 2022. Free delivery
1: only available in continental US. Terms apply. With early paycheck, you can get your direct deposit up to 2 days earlier. That's another reason banking with- With Capital One is the easiest decision ever. Even easier than deciding to open the biggest birthday gift first.
0: Happy birthday to you. Which one are you going to open first? The pony.
1: Yep, even easier than that. Plus, with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is banking with Capital One even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? See capitalone.com/bank for details. No fees or minimums on new consumer accounts. Capital One and Member FDIC.
2: markets react to uncertainty are you prepared is your portfolio balanced is it optimized your financial future depends on the answers to those questions justin klein is here now and ready to talk with you call invest talk 888-99-CHART
1: let's go talk to robert he's in pleasanton and he wants to talk about united therapeutics Hey, um been kind of looking at this stock for a while and just uh I don't own it. I'm thinking about purchasing, I'd just like to get your opinion about it. Okay. United Therapeutics. Let me take a look at the chart here. It is it broke down uh what, about a month ago? Do you know why that had that big drop? I'm not sure. Okay. It probably was earnings, I'm assuming earnings definitely slowed revenue growth 8%, earnings growth 6%. And that's down from the previous uh, you know, two quarters ago, revenue growth was 23%. Earnings growth 11%. So you saw that deceleration there. Earnings expectations for this year and next year from analysts are coming down. So that worries me a bit. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely not expensive, though. And that's really what you'd be going with here. Enterprise value to EBITDA is about 10 and a half. And historically, that's about in the middle of the range of where it typically trades. Typically trades between about uh, the low 20s and on the low end, it's been down to about two and a half in 2016. So right now we're at 10. So uh, more in the lines of five, I think that would be probably cheap. So about 50% from here. Um, And so it's about, I would say, modestly overvalued. Very modestly. Our fair value is closer to $170 a share. Now we're at 182 uh, It's in a downtrend. I don't like that. It's a turn in equity. Over the last decade, has been pretty strong, but pre pandemic, 2019, it was negative. And the last three years, it's really only been kind of in the, in the mid to low teens, um, where it pre- previously it had been in the 20% range plus. Um, so, I don't like the technicals. I don't think it's super cheap, uh, and so I'm not. I'm just going to give this kind of a eh. I think there's better use of your capital. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Bill in Northern California, looking at EQNR, which is Equinor. Hey, Justin, you own it or looking Equ- to buy it? Equinor. <clears throat>
2: uh, that used to be the uh, state oil, I believe, and uh, I'm, it's been going up. So I'm kind of wondering. You know, if it's still a good value, if I wanted to buy some at this point, it seems to have a low PE, more or less.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it still is relatively on the cheap side. Now, this is a Norwegian company that is, let me take a look here. Yeah, <clears throat> integrated oil and gas company, Public listed in 2001. Government owns a 67% stake still uh, in Equinor, Norwegian. And it produces about 2 million barrels a day. It has some offshore wind, solar, oil refineries as well. So I like that. My big question is, you know, what exposure do they have to, to Russia? Um, yeah, do they have any assets there? Yeah, it does have some Russian assets, it looks like. But overall, I like it. Um, you know, you're you're gaining exposure to the space, it's a a bit diversified. Um, Is it overbought? Sure. But remember, we're in this is a multipolar world. Globalization is over. Globalization is reversing. And that means the companies that can supply oil, especially to Europe, and gas, they're going to benefit a lot. So I, I have no problem with Equinor. Um, I like that it's foreign. Uh, I think eventually we probably do ban exports of U.S. oil and gas, and guess what happens? If you own if you own oil production outside of the U.S., you're going to do very well, and Equinor does. And so I have no problem with this. I think this is a buy. Um, it is overbought, but give it a thumbs up. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now we do keep track of our download numbers and we are now closing in on 40 million downloads. Thanks to you. You can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and be sure to rate and review on iTunes and if you leave your question with your review we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is the best talk. tonight.
0: Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99Chart.